Hello, my name is Hindel Grossman. I'm a divorce attorney in Newton, Massachusetts, and welcome to Inside Divorce, a podcast series published on the 15th of each month. Each guest is an expert in the field of divorce and has fascinating information to share. I hope you'll listen. Hello and welcome to Inside Divorce. My name is Hindel Grossman and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Deborah Jacobs, whose business is Money Smart for Life. Hello, Deborah. Hi, Hindel. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. My pleasure. We have a lot to talk about. Yes, we do. Yeah. So first of all, tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am a money coach. And what that means is that I help people who are experiencing some level of overwhelm around their money, which is most of us. I just saw an American Psychological Association survey that said that respondents to the survey in the past month, 72% of them had experienced stress around their money. So most of us do experience some stress around money, and I help people release that stress. So I work with people on making sure their spending aligns with their values, making sure that they have a budget. People often have never budgeted before. And sometimes the B word is a big, bad, scary word, but I make it relatively simple. And we look at, you know, paying down debt and saving for life things that are coming up and getting on top of money. So Money is a difficult topic for so many people. Yes, it is. Even if it's not between spouses, it's for a person to recognize what their values are about money and f- to implement those values. It's really hard. You know, we grow up with this taboo around money that we don't talk about it. And then all of a sudden, we're expected as adults to be able to manage it well without any training or education in it. So, right. yeah. And just and just to kind of understand what should be done. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's an important topic, certainly, in what I do in divorces, and I see that money's an issue between spouses and maybe the cause of the divorce, even. Uh, Yes. But if not the cause of the divorce, then one spouse clearly knows a lot more about the finances of the family than the other, which is another complicating issue. That's actually one of the things that I do. I work with people who are recently divorced, mostly women, but I work with men as well, who may not have managed the family finances. And all of a sudden, whether they have assets or not, they're in a position where they may have to re-enter the workplace, they have to make decisions about money and their children and their home and just financial decisions, and they have to manage it and have never managed it before. And it can be really terrifying. In fact, I had one client who told me that Uh, I was speaking with her before her divorce and helping her get her numbers together. And she told me that when her lawyer asked her about her expenses, she made up numbers because she was so embarrassed that she didn't know. So I was like, okay, we're going to get your your real numbers because your lawyer is going to help you. (laughs) There's a lot of shame about that. There is. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of embarrassment about it. And some people, of course, have an aptitude for numbers. I mean, these are, for you and me at least, are simple numbers, right? They are kind of basic expenses. We're not talking about high finance or invest asset management or investing. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to know trigonometry to manage your money. It doesn't have to be hard, but it's scary. It is scary. Yeah. Even for those, particularly for those that are uncomfortable with numbers. Math is scarier to some people than others. Yeah. So tell us about your approach. I understand 
that you have clarity sessions and single mom focuses and um, the 12-step program. Tell us about that. (laughs) So my main program that I offer is a 12-session program. That's what most people do. And we start out, as I said, not looking at the numbers, but looking at values, meaning what do you want most? You know, do you want to travel? Are you most interested in creating experiences with your kids? What is your highest value? And then looking at spending and aligning it with those values. And most people don't approach it that way. Most people spend the way we've grown up thinking we have to spend. You know, we need a big house. We need a nice car. uh, We need to be in debt. And so you may make different choices if you have your values right front of mind. I mean, you may decide to drive a beater of a car if cars are not important to you, but what is important to you is creating those memories with your children. So we we start out by looking at that, then we get really deeply into the numbers. And for some people, they've ignored it. And it's frightening to look at it, and they don't even know what their financial situation is. So we get all of the numbers. We know where people's money is going. We know what their assets are. We know what their liabilities are. And then we begin taking steps. We create a budget that is... I'm not going to say easy because budgeting isn't always easy, but it's simple. It's a simple budget. It's it's simple to implement, and it takes some time to develop that muscle to actually implement it. Yeah, time we'll after take some follow up on take it. Take some follow up. <laughs> yeah, and then we then we look into other things: savings rate. We'll look at net worth. We'll look at what are you saving for, and how do we do that? We make debt pay down plans. So whatever the particular client needs, and I find that twelve sessions is a good amount of time to both get clarity make plan and implement the plan and get the coaching that somebody needs along the way to actually implement that plan. I do also offer a clarity session, which is a one-time session. So for example, I had clients who were getting a gift from parents and just wanted to know, should we pay down student debt with this or should we put it towards a down payment? So we just looked at all their numbers, and I'm not going to make that decision for anybody, but I could lay out for them the pros and cons of making their decision. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That was really helpful. I know recently I had a decision to make about an umbrella insurance policy. How much do I need? The premium difference wasn't enormous, but it was enough that I thought, well, do I need $5 million or $1 million or somewhere in between? And it was nice to have an advisor to help with those Absolutely. ongoing decisions. Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about your clients and the relationships you have with them. So I work with anybody who needs my help, but a specialty of mine is working with people who are newly divorced and or are single moms. As a single mom myself, that is where my heart lies, and I understand the you know, I understand the lying in bed at night and looking at the ceiling and saying, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? And so, you know, I get those concerns and those worries. And so I help single moms figure things out. And often single moms, divorced or not, one of the biggest issues in their life is time, particularly if their children 
are small. And so one of the things we do is simplify taking care of your financial life so you don't have to ignore it and let it pile up until it becomes a big monster, but you don't have to spend hours every week managing it. We put systems into place to make it easy and also frameworks into place for making financial decisions easier. Some big financial decisions are never easy, but when you have a framework that you can look at, then that makes some of those decisions a little bit easier. Yes, for sure. Well, so can you give an example of a system and a framework that you recommend? Sure, sure. So a system would be the budgeting system that we use, for example. So we have people figure out first, let's look at a month's worth of your credit card receipts or your bank receipts and see what are you spending on groceries and look at all your bills. And then we'll divide it into four different categories, one being fixed expenses. What are expenses that recur month after month after month? Great. We're going to put those in one account. We're going to put the money in one account, put it all on auto pay, and you are never going to think about those. Once or twice a year, you'll look at them and see if you can save money on any of them. Other than that, that's off your back. Then we're going to look at day-to-day expenses. That's the one we really watch. It's the only category we watch. We're going to figure out what your budget is each month for things like groceries, gas in the car, kids' activities, things like that. And you're going to look at the bottom of that category and once or twice a month, depending on how often you're paid, as soon as money hits your account, you're going to take that amount out put it into a separate account, and that's the one you're going to watch. Because if at the end of that two weeks or the end of that month, that's getting low, then we have to relook at that budget and relook at the spending and see how we can manage it. So that little piece of your spending is really the only thing that you have to watch. And there's another category that many people call sinking expense, uh, sinking funds. I like to call it expected unexpected because we know that once a year you're going to have to bring the dog to the vet or you're going to have to put brakes in the car or, you know, register the car. You're going to have gifts at Hanukkah or Christmas. There are just expenses that are not going to be month by month, but you know they're coming. And then we also include a category in that called true unexpected, you know, for those things that come up that we're not expecting. We figure out what the yearly amount of those we anticipate will be, divide by 12. And every month you're looking at the bottom of that category and putting it in a savings account so that when one of those expenses comes up, There's the money. You never have to say, oh my gosh, I have to use my credit card or where am I going to get the money to put brakes in the car? It's there in that account. And then the fourth is debt pay down for people who have debt. So we make those categories. We make it simple. All they have to do is take some money out, put it into the various accounts. And then the only thing they have to watch is that that day-to-day spending account. So they have to move money basically among three different accounts. Yes. Yeah, and that's a little confusing at first, but once they get that under control, it's it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. It yeah. means paying attention. It means paying attention once or twice a month. Yeah. That's all you have to do, once or twice a month on payday. Now, if you have a business and your income is variable, then we work on that. That's another another way of doing things. But if you're getting paid on a regular basis, it's just we do it by when your bills are due. And when money comes in. Uh-huh. So you set a, money comes into one account and you set aside money for regular 
bills in one account, a second account, and unexpected things in the third account. Yes. Yes. Rainy day stuff. Yes. Okay. That's well. what we do. Rainy day suggests something good. Right. I mean, happy. I mean, not exactly <laughs> rainy day. That's another category often in our fixed expenses. Every month we're saving for an emergency fund. That's different than the expected unexpected. We know we're going to have to spend that money. So, yeah. So that's a, that's an example of a system. And an example of a framework is, let's say I'm working with a couple. And this might be a pre-divorce thing that people can do and maybe even avoid divorce in the first place. We'll sit down and we'll look at what they're, we have a whole, several pages of what will you do in this situation? Are you both agreeing that you'll give money to family or friends if they ask or not? And if so, how much and on what terms? And really think about that. Do you agree that you will use credit cards? If you will, how will you use them? So there's a there are a whole set of agreements that people make. And single, divorced, we do the same thing. Just so that they have that, they can, when there's a decision to make, they can just pop that up in their computer and say, oh, what did I agree to about how much I'd finance a car for? Ah, okay. I said I wouldn't spend more than $5,000 and I'd pay cash for the rest of it. All right, have to save up a little bit more before I buy that new car. Uh huh. So they're both on the same page. Yes. That ex- yeah, and they have an agreement about what to do because yes. it affects the whole family. That's right. Or again, if you're single, same thing. It's an agreement with yourself. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, you maintained your goals that way and the boundaries that you're supposed to set for your spending limits. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I imagine people who come to you are open to changing their ways. People who come to me are generally experiencing some level of pain around their money. And that doesn't mean that they don't have money. Several of my clients make a lot of money, but they have not managed it well. And they're feeling stress around their credit card bills and overwhelm about where their money's going and that they don't have much to show for all this income that's coming in. Other people I work with are either close to bankruptcy or have been in bankruptcy and are afraid they're heading in that direction again because they never learned the skills. So I work with people all along that spectrum of where they are with their money, but they're all experiencing some level of overwhelm, often shame, almost always shame. Yeah. So one of the other things I do is I work with people on those emotions. You know, I'm not a life coach, but it's a little bit of life coaching too, is, you know, helping people look at the stories that they tell themselves about money that may be holding them back. Yeah. I call that la-la land, which can people can be in la-la land for a lot of reasons. Financial is one of them. Emotional is another, you know, or the family dynamics or the status of their marriage or exactly. whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So they just see what they want to see. Yeah. So you make them face reality. Yes. In a nice way. In a nice way. <laughs> in an encouraging way. But I also do, you know, have people face reality. Yeah. 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 And they have to be accountable to you, I imagine, they do. in your 12-step program. That's that's part, right. of, part of the process is I just got an email from a client yesterday who said, I just want to let you know I'm experiencing a lot of resistance. I really don't want to do this. And I wrote her back and said, that is absolutely 
normal and understandable and part of the process, and you're going to do it anyway. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> well, so. it's good she gave that the client gave you a chance to yeah. weigh in on that. Yeah. Right? So you could tell them what to do. Yeah. You know, it's important that we also instruct our families, our children, how to be good managers of money and how to respect yes. it and manage it well. That's what I work with a lot of my single moms on, is that they really want their children to have a model for good money management. And so we work on what that looks like. And it might be different for every family. But, you know, what it looks like to not be stressed about money all the time what it looks like to create the kind of life that they want. You know, maybe right now they're feeling like they have to work two jobs and they hardly ever see their kids. Let's figure out how to change things so that you can still put food on the table and still pay the mortgage or the rent and spend some time with your children. Mm-hmm. Well, that's important, obviously. So when I think about parents and children, I think a lot, and, it, and what I see often is people very concerned about having money for college. Yes. And being willing to spend really way beyond their means for their kids to go to college. Do you see that too? I do. I do. What do you think about that? that? Well, you know, I mean, one of the things that people in the financial world always tell people is that you can finance college, but you can't finance retirement. And, you know, so there are ways, there are many, many ways for kids to go to college without bankrupting their parents. And one thing is starting early to talk to your children about the financial aspect of going to college, as well as the academic and status aspect. So many, many kids will apply to their dream colleges, and their parents make over the amount to get significant need-based financial aid, and yet they don't have the money to cash flow the college education, and either their kids are heartbroken when they're told that they can't go, or the parents take out Parent PLUS loans and private loans, and then they're in debt for hundreds of thousands of dollars over four years. And if they have more than one child, it's more than that. So there are many ways that kids can go to college without doing that or without having their parents do that. Now, one thing is a lot of times people have to get over the status issue with college. So if your kid is the kind of kid who's going to get into Harvard or going to get into you know one of the elite schools, That's great. If your income is at a certain level, you probably won't have to pay anything. If your kid is not headed to the Ivy League, a state school isn't always the cheapest option. You know, if they're willing to expand geographically, look at places in the Midwest, look at schools that aren't necessarily top-notch, but will give them a top-notch education, schools want those kids you know, high achieving kids that come from the East. So there is financial aid available for that. The other thing in terms of getting over the status is boy, oh boy, community college is such a great deal. You know, oh my gosh, two years of community college and then transfer to the college of your dreams. You've cut your college bill in half and you still end up with the degree. Yeah, it's a phenomenal option. Yeah, Mm yeah. So particularly for a kid not ready to go to college. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, 
The other thing is we're so, so many people are so college focused, like it's the end all and the be all. And there are many other options, you know, many, many other options if kids are interested or willing. College is not for everybody. So, you know, there's vocational school, there's starting a business, there are all sorts of things, but there are ways of going to college without breaking the bank. Parents, I guess, uh, and kids, I suppose, by by connection are in la-la land sometimes about that and willing to just not care about the cost. Not think about it. You know, they're thinking about, oh, my kid is going to Princeton or, you know, whatever, and they're just not thinking about what it's going to cost them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It's an expense you pay for a long time. Yes. Long after the graduation. Yes. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. What else can you you advise our listeners about financial management? Well, let's see. If you are, say, recently divorced, even if you end up with significant assets, that's great. Some people may not have had the kind of counsel that you provide and may end up, especially, especially if somebody's been in a financially abusive marriage or abusive in other ways, then that person may end up with next to nothing because they just want to get out. So, you know, give him whatever he wants because I want to be out. And then they have to start over and they're terrified. And what I would say is don't give up. Don't lose hope. There is always a way to improve your circumstances. And you may have to make some sacrifices for a few years. This might be the time, you know, you don't want to hear it, but this might be the time to ask mom and dad if you can live with the kids in their basement for a year while you're getting your feet back on the ground. There are things that you can do to minimize your expenses while you're getting yourself back in the workplace, while you're figuring things out. And I would also say if you need help, get help. You know, of course, a divorce coach or therapy can help, but it doesn't have to be me. It could be another financial coach. Financial coaches can really help you get your money life in order. Yeah. But some of the decisions financially that clients have to make is how far do they want to take the fight? Because the fight costs legal fees. And what is the likelihood of them achieving what they want to achieve relative to spending what they'll have to spend? And it's, it's an unknown because you don't know if you'll achieve it. That's right. And again, I don't ever tell a client what to do, but I help lay out here what the costs are going to be. And I also help lay out what some of the emotional costs might be. I owned a preschool prior to becoming a financial coach. And I'm a mom and I'm an education, I'm an education masters, I'm a I'm an education person from way back. And I am very concerned about the impact of the decisions adults make on children. And so I also talk with people about thinking about the impact on children. What's best for the children, both financially and emotionally? That just may not be clear when somebody's being a real jerk and and trying to pull your chain in every way. Yeah. Well, some people can't help themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> They get invested in the fight. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's a topic that's obviously very, very great interest to me. And I can see both when people are 
clients of mine getting divorced, but also post-divorce when they're on to the next chapter of their lives, how, you know, we send them off into the world and hope that they can manage. Yes. Right? Yeah. On their own without the skills to do so. And you would provide those skills for people. Yes. And I really want to be of service. So if any of your listeners are attorneys who are working with people who could use a helping hand with their money, different from the help of a financial planner or advisor. So as a coach, I do not give investing advice. And I do not manage people's assets. I help them more with the day-to-day. And, you know, like I said, the budgeting and the debt pay down and that sort of thing. And frameworks for decisions. So there definitely is a place and a need for a really good financial planner if somebody ends up with significant assets. But also if somebody is just afraid of money and maybe feeling shame around being afraid of money, I can help. And my colleagues our coaches can help as well. Right. So Deborah, how do you charge for your services? So I charge two ways. If somebody wants just that one-time clarity session, my prices are going up very soon, but I currently charge $297 low for like an hour and a half. And it's $2,000 for the 12 session program. Very fair, really. Very fair. That would be great. I'm sure someone would get a lot of value out of yes, those services. for sure. Great. Well, Deborah, it's been a pleasure talking to you about you and Money Smart for Life. I hope that many people listening will take advantage of uh, your services and your advice. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a really great conversation. Yes, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sassoon Simrod has attorneys who meet your dynamic needs, handling legal matters including tax issues, real estate transactions, business law, and of course, divorce and post-divorce matters. I can be reached to the same number, 617-969-0069, but my email address has changed. It's now hgrossman at sassoonsimrod.com. Sassoon Simrod is spelled S-A-S-S-O-O-N. C-Y-M-R-O-T. Thanks for listening.